0: (laughs) good i'm glad that none of that got on
1: oh my gosh
0: okay are we doing this
2: hey y'all this is where texas politics gets interesting here again are two guys named jason some great guests and cold texas beer
0: for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.
1: We're recording now. This is good. I'm hoping to get thought, this episode off the ground, man. Yeah, we've
0: thought like four times that we're recording as though we've never done this before. Uh, but I think we're actually doing it this time. And you
1: didn't want any of those stories that you just mentioned in the previous conversation no, to actually... No, I mean, because podcast, all so. of them, none of them
0: were flattering, uh, to be honest. <laughs>
1: but go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? No,
0: no, no. We were just talking about how we, you know, we, I missed you. Did you miss me?
1: Uh, come on. You have been drinking this morning. I yeah, that is, uh,
0: that is. That re- is. It was rhetorical. Uh, so, no, I was on vacation. <laughs> uh, a quick vacation, though, one of those fast turnarounds, uh, but one that is enough to where it restores the smile to your face again, you know, that sort of easygoing, Carefree smile that gets erased pretty quickly after you come back, Um, and uh, and and I was talking to you about my my amazing tan uh, that I've gotten, and and I say that facetiously because it's I'm I'm now just a slight off white instead of like full on brilliant white, you know.
1: And where Um, you went to the Yucatan, you said
0: right. I did uh which is an, an amazing place. Uh and and you know I was I was the guy who looked like the ghost on the beach, you know, putting on the zinc full zinc sunblock all over full body. No one else does that. Uh but
1: no one else burns
0: like I do. <laughs> so you're, you're yeah, the reason I they sun that stuff on.
1: Right? on. Uh, so yes. I <clears throat> I shouldn't know my geography better, but it, it, were, were you in Mexico or does Belize reach up into the Yucatan at all?
0: I don't think that Belize counts uh, as Yucatan because it's after it sort of comes back, comes uh, back again. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, I, you know, go ahead and throw it in. I mean, it's right beneath it. If you, you know, continued on, you'd be right there in Belize yeah. right after you get through Tulum and all of that.
1: But you were um, in Mexico.
0: I was in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but we, you know, we traveled around, uh, you know, using Cancun as the base and just sort of going to these really small islands and towns and places really? where you just go, you know, do we have to go back? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a. It's a good life, man. It's a and really the, good life.
1: I, well, your life has been that. a good life, and it's one I'd like to model mine after. So, um, oh I, my God, I, I never, the never model
0: your life after me. And I know that you're just uh, ribbing me at this point because you have memes. I've found out you have actual memes of me, like oh, yeah. actual pictures that you've taken over the years at work that you know make me look deranged, uh, and and so I know that you don't want to model oh, the, your life.
1: These after. are unaltered images of you that have been passed around among <laughs> multiple employees. Um, I just found no, that
0: out this morning.
1: S- seriously, I was going to ask you, um, and this is a serious question. It, you drove around to different towns? In Mexico? In Mexico? Yeah.
0: Yes. Now, I, I didn't drive this time. I rode. But yeah, I've driven before.
1: Yeah, and you know, I asked that because I have a lot of friends who who go down there, and and a few of them asked me recently whether it's it's uh, it's safe. And I'm like, well, I'm you know, I'm sure the resort areas are, are perfectly safe. Did you have any security issues at all down I- there?
0: No, never felt in danger even once. We had people in our families who were like, oh, don't go. This is dangerous, whatever. And I asked them, like, have you ever done the calculations on how safe you are here? Because I'm in the news here and I'm reading this stuff out every day and there's a lot going on here let me tell you, I, not once there did I worry about, you know, one of the drivers who we were riding with cutting somebody off and, and that person deciding to shoot all of us in the car. Uh, but the thing is, is as soon as I got back here, I swear to you, the very first random tweet that comes through on my feed is about another road rage death in DFW. It seems like we hear of them, you know, yeah. once, twice, three times a week. Uh, and no, you didn't feel that there. I mean, there's dangers there. I'm not going to be Pollyanna about it. But geez, folks, we've got dangers here too. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Did you bring beer back? I did not. I didn't bring any alcohol back. I consumed all of it there. <laughs> no, uh, you know, why would I, you know. A beer's What are you beer. drinking? What are you drinking today
1: here? for this episode? Uh
0: I am I, I'm in the refrigerator clean out uh phase again. And and so I've gotten down to my last one. And this is nothing against the Astros, but I have one more Crawford Bach uh in the fridge with the old Astros uh Dude, colors you, and all of that on there. You have
1: a case of that stuff. Every episode I, think I did for, for like a month, you had. I,
0: I think I overdid it with that. I don't know how all that appeared in the fridge. but Maybe it Mrs.
1: Wheeler needs to run back down to uh, the Maybe store. Maybe she's report. a big
0: Astros fan. I don't know. Uh, but there was a lot of that in there. And, and I'm finally getting down to the last one. It's probably about eight years
1: old, you know, uh, but I'm finishing it. What do you have? Nice. Uh, I, I don't know how this This is more like your speed right here. This is a best made. Oh, Luraz no. As pickle God, no. beer. Got No. And if you know the brewery, you, you you know that this is kind of they do this, some of the wild stuff. It's Martin House Brewing Company in Fort Worth. Um, we've had their beers before, and uh, they they have a, a certain following, but they have the really unusual ones. I don't think they have a a pilsner or an IPA or anything like that. Let's see what I'm this blue. i dying to know how thickled. this
0: goes. Yeah, let's see. I am too. Um, you know, uh, and and is it purple? Wow. Is it pickle juicy? Oh, my gosh.
1: It's pickle juicy. Oh, no. Like, Mm -mm. whoo, can't do that. Um, It's sour pickle juice with some carbonation in it and some blue. I'm going to stay
0: with my Crawford Bach. Um, So uh, we have another uh, new acting attorney general. <laughs> it's like it's sort of rotating around. Uh, but uh, OK, so everybody knows uh, the suspended Texas attorney general, Ken Paxton, is uh, awaiting trial in the state Senate uh, that will happen in the beginning of September. Uh, this is really dragging out, I think, you know beyond what people originally thought it was going to take time wise. And so in the interim, uh, Governor Abbott. You mean
1: this podcast or? or Well, both.
0: Yes, (laughs) it fits all of it. Uh, So Governor Abbott uh, tapped, you know, a longtime associate of his uh, to fill the role. Uh, His name is John Scott. Um, They go way back uh, to the early days uh, of Abbott's uh, political career here in Texas. And so he turned to him for, for this. Uh, he's turned to him before for the Secretary of State position as well. Uh, he is a Fort Worth attorney and, um, and he held the job for six weeks and then said, I'm out. Uh, I'm heading off to do other things. And so now we have another acting attorney general uh, as we still await this trial to find out if that position is going to be needing to be permanently filled or if Ken Paxton's going to be back.
1: I don't think John Scott, though, um, I think he's and I'm not privy to the conversations, but I think he always told the governor, listen, I'll do it for a minute to get, you know, to get things off the ground. But I don't think he's ever said he wants to do it permanently. But, yeah, he's only been there six weeks. And as of Friday at 10 a.m., actually, as we record this podcast right now, look at your clock, Wheeler. Friday at 10 a.m., John Scott is, is leaving as the provisional attorney general in the state and a woman named Angela Colmonero, who's the deputy chief of staff for uh, Governor Abbott. She is taking over. She has a decade's worth of experience in the attorney general's office. I believe she was the, the chief of litigation. So mm-hmm. she, she knows her way around the office and she is going to be the interim attorney general as John Scott departs from this position. Who is John Scott? You know We've heard John Scott before. He's been on the podcast before, hasn't he? Wheeler. Mm-hmm. He was the so, yeah. Texas secretary of state for uh, a year. Governor Abbott called him up in October of 21 said, listen, we need you to come down here and help out um, and, and and make sure that the, the voting is going. Okay. One thing Scott did that you may remember, he, he started the, uh, the audit of the 2020 election and he found, and he said he found no widespread fraud. Uh, so John Scott's been around for a minute. He's not a political guy. Uh, but he's a guy that always takes our calls,
0: which always seems unusual when you, it, it, you know, these days in our politics, it, it seems unusual if if someone's appointed who doesn't seem uh, overly political. And so he he does take these calls. He does take these jobs. And then he pretty quickly says, "Here you can have this job back again, which I always admire and and, and think that that's really interesting. And we sort of got into, uh, you know, some questioning, you know, w- w- we were thinking about this like why? why why did he, you know, step away this fast though? So not only does John Scott always take the governor's calls, it appears, he also takes Jason Whiteley's calls and 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 that's how we got him on the line. Uh, And here now is newly, I guess, retired acting attorney general for the state of Texas, John Scott.
1: Uh, John, welcome back to the program here. We we know we have lots of folks on the podcast, um, but I don't think, with the exception of Wheeler, that anyone has quite the the resume that you have. (laughs) And I want to go through your LinkedIn here for a moment. I hope
0: his is a lot better than mine. Otherwise, we're in real trouble.
1: Well, I, I we mean, you can't stick to
0: one job, OK? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been uh, accused of that in my career, too. So I, we have a common thread there.
1: <laughs> let me let me uh, enlighten our, our, our listeners here and our viewers, too. Uh, John Scott is an attorney in Fort Worth. That That's mm-hmm. kind of the baseline. Uh, he's worked in Houston and Amarillo. He um, uh, was a deputy attorney general uh, for a few years in 2012, the chief operating officer at Texas Health and Human Services Commission. Chairman of the Board of the Texas Department of Information Resources, has his own law firm. As I mentioned, uh, you probably heard him and seen him uh, multiple times uh, from us as the uh, the interim Secretary of State, not the interim as the Secretary of State uh, for a little bit more than a year, and then most recently he was named to help fill in as the Provisional Attorney General of Texas. When the uh, elected attorney general Ken Paxton was suspended, uh, John, your, your resume is is incredible. Tell us how this works. Does the governor call you up and say, "Hey, listen, I need you to help out"? Do you text him? Does a staff call? What what happens?
2: It, I mean, on the most recent one, he he called over and. Uh, And we visited about going over there in the role. Um, And it it gets to be it was more problematic this most recent time because it was really unknown how long the position would last. And Mm. so I relayed that I really needed to be a kind of a short term
0: assignment from my perspective. Yeah, I was interested in that because when the governor put out the statement, he said that you would be serving in this temporary period during the Texas Senate's resolution of the impeachment proceedings. And then we get this notice that you're you're leaving after six weeks in the job. And I thought, did somebody ask him to go? Did something come up? But it, it was just a matter of you thinking that they would have maybe already had this done by now. I think it was twofold. Right. Uh, One was I was
2: busy rebuilding my practice, um, which is down in Austin as well and spend most of my time in Austin practicing. But so from a from a very kind of baseline, uh, it's hard to disengage with clients who need you for a purpose and just say, we'll see you when I see you. Um, So wanted to at least let them know when I might be back able to represent them again uh with the hope that they would still be around to be represented um and then the second thing was i really thought the thing would be over um yeah
0: but it doesn't even begin till what uh first <laughs> week of september it's 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 kind of dragging
2: september 5th and i you yeah, know, and again that's up to the senate to decide i don't want to second guess any judge or or, or jury uh, or whatever their their perspective is on their roles but i i they set the time
1: i was I, surprised uh, John, you're, you're the pinch hitter for Governor Abbott, it, it, it seems like and feels like here. Do, you, are you going to uh, let that call go to voicemail next time or you think you're going to answer <laughs> it when he needs you again?
2: I might write a book and it just simply says, don't answer it. Um, <laughs> I'll go out and visit with other people who've answered the phone as well. It, 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 all kidding aside, every time I've gotten an opportunity, it really is an honor and a privilege to get to go serve the state. And you hear that from people, I, I'm sure, and, and some people may think that's that's baloney. It's not. It is literally, there's something about being a public servant. It It fills your heart because you know you're doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And that's sometimes rare.
0: Yeah. Uh it seems like though that you get called upon for some these kind of sticky situations, you know. So like when it was Secretary of State, it was, you know, during that time when there's a lot of questions about voting machines. And, you know, we, we hear some some folks in the base saying, let's throw these things out and go to all paper and we don't believe in elections anymore. And now you've got to get in there and figure out how to make everybody believe in in elections. Then with uh, you know, the, the attorney general uh gig, you know, we have this unprecedented situation where 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 a Texas attorney general has been impeached and suspended uh, while he awaits his trial in the Senate and you're pulled in for that. It seems like those are really thorny times to enter those jobs. Do you get there in the middle of it and think, "God, I've got to stop coming in this way? I, you know, I should probably think that I haven't.
2: Um, uh, And I will say that the benefit of kind of parachuting into some chaotic situations Each one, you develop a little more wisdom, uh, a little more experience and kind of what to look for and kind of hopefully how to calm some processes back down a little bit and make sure that people get back to the job that they're supposed to be doing on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so depending upon the situation, that's kind of what we've always run into.
1: Talk talk more about that, John. Calming the situation because Jason's right; they are sticky situations when when you land in these things. Um, what have you learned from it, and and how have you helped calm things down in both of those offices? So it was so
2: different perspectives uh, at Secretary of State. I think it was important to get a message out, and y'all were great in helping get that message out and spread that message. And uh, I think the media helped calm the waters as much as anything by putting really facts out there for people and was, so when somebody had a suspicion we looked into the suspicion and then we refuted it or we said all right this takes a little more investigation but we wanted to make sure that we publicized that uh over at the ag's office is the provisional ag it was a whole different role uh, i didn't feel like doing interviews or anything publicity was going to help the the process and in fact it might have fueled the fire a little bit and so the real goal at that point in time was to to visit with the folks that work there and to reinforce that idea of why they came to work there and the great privilege it is to get to go into court and say hey john scott your honor here on behalf of the state of texas and that's something that all those lawyers get the the right to go in there and say as a result of their capacity so those first two weeks over there there was a lot of talk uh, about what happens now with the impeachment, what have blah, blah, blah. It was always about the same subject. And it wasn't about the subject about the attorney general's office. And from my experience there, I knew what normal sounded like. And so uh, after about two weeks, people were back talking completely about cases and what is our next step. Um, and that's what's going on back today. Uh, it, it is, they're back to, I would say, uh, as close to normal as, as it's been uh since this since the impeachment and they're doing a great job and they got a a great new attorney general coming in
0: hey john regardless of, of of how this turns out in the senate uh with regard to uh suspended attorney general ken paxton um, what's your feeling about uh, the, the position? Is it, it, it you know, does it need some rehabilitation uh, at this point just because of all of the accusations that have been leveled, not the person, does the position, uh, is the position tarnished right now? Do we need to see um, possibly more guardrails put in place uh, for the person in that position, whether it be him or, or a successor uh, down the road?
2: It is an it is an elected position, and and I think those are the guardrails you want with those elected positions, which is uh, you leave it up to voters. And um, uh, in this situation, this the House believes that there were some uh, constitutional issues that needed uh, addressed. They've raised those. uh, And and I I don't know if we want to add much more to that process in the way of guardrails, because as an elected official you don't want to divest those who cast their ballots uh, unnecessarily uh, they cast them for ken paxton overwhelmingly 50 plus percent and i think that's something that has to be respected and i think that is something both the house and senate it weighs heavily on their minds. so i think this process that we're going through is Messy as it may seem to the outside, I, I think it's a it, it's 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 serving its purpose of trying to get to the bottom line of the truth
0: that may be out there and as give some- it the
2: resolution.
0: As someone who's in this sort of group of elite uh, legal minds here in, in Texas, uh, I mean, don't be taken aback. You've had some, you know, some some high profile cases. You've been, you know, in the Supreme Court uh, representing. You've you know, done the same thing in a lot of appeals courts and circuit courts. Uh, what do you think about the, the heavyweights on both sides of this uh, impeachment issue? Are you going to be watching this? Is this something where you you study? Yeah. So this is history
2: Uh, and uh, never in the history of the state has this happened
0: Uh, in in very few
2: states. And I haven't done an analysis of other states. I just haven't heard of it in my 61 years of life. And uh, quite frankly, it is a a rare occurrence. And I I think it's one of those things that is going to make for great TV, must watch TV, Uh, must watch, listen to podcast, Um, because it is hopefully it never happens again. Um, And hopefully this comes to a, a quick resolution uh so yeah i think it's going to be super interesting to watch just from from an intrigue standpoint mm-hmm.
1: john talk about morale on the on the uh, is it the sixth floor is that where the, the top eighth floor, floor. turning eighth floor eighth floor of the attorney general's office well what was morale like when you landed there were, were you welcome? did people were they suspicious of you and and you talked about meetings too did you have to have a lot of one-on-one meetings and and uh, you know after dinner or after hours dinner and drinks and stuff to, to get people kind of back to where they should be.
2: So they were they were extremely accommodating. and, and I, I, I don't want to get into their mindsets of what because I, I don't know. I, and I don't want to speak for them. What I felt was that in my goal coming in, I took the smallest office I could find on the floor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was to make sure that they understand I was I was last and least amongst the equals there. Um, I was there to help serve them, serve the state, And I wanted to make sure they understood it was literally there in a humble role. I I, I wasn't coming there to dictate to them, but I wanted to make sure that they understood the rest of the state was there for them and their mission and to make sure that the mission that came from the eighth floor as they operate the rest of the agency was one of confidence that this place is going to be around. For the history of the state of Texas, when Texas stops, they'll stop being an attorney general's office Hmm. and to reinforce that that mission statement, which is, hey, you've got a great honor and a great privilege to get out there and represent the citizens
1: of the state of Texas and to defend the laws of the state of Texas. Get to it. And you you purposely did not go to the corner office there, the mahogany corner office um, uh, on purpose, it sounds like. Yeah, I I, I also think that might've been
2: disrespectful to General Paxton. He is still the attorney general of the state and that's his office. That's not the provisional office. Uh, I actually got a sign made up that says provisional attorney general uh, that's stuck on the side of the little door. Um, And it's a, you know, I I hope the message was received that when you come in these places, you really should come in uh, at least among equals if you're gonna try and help stem the tide of chaos.
0: Is that a tough line for you to walk uh, in a way? Because, you know, uh, we know how you know Democrats might feel about the attorney general, but even within Republicans, there's a real split. Uh, he has his detractors uh, and he definitely has his supporters. Uh, is, is that a tough line for you to walk when you when you walk into that role uh, so as not to ruffle feathers on either end of that spectrum?
2: Yeah, I think from from my perspective, it really was easy because it was telling the, the group, the staff, the attorneys, let's get back to basics. Let's get back to representing the state agencies. Let's get back to when there's a just case to go file, let's go file it. Um, if we've got issues with the federal government on, uh, on rules, let's go file it. Um, there's plenty to do on a day-to-day perspective. And those are the matters that, you know, at least we're in a defensible position always in those matters. And I think that's the safe space because that is the role of the attorney general's office in this state is to defend
1: everyone and a few announcements were made when when you were in there those six weeks the opioid settlement was announced i think 300 million dollars um describe what you did every day when you weren't talking to staff what what type of role were you actually playing in there
2: so you end up reading a lot which is not necessarily the favorite thing to do Uh, uh but a lot of it goes back to AG opinions. Um, a lot of it goes to here's potential lawsuits, here's potential settlements that we may want to enter into and then getting into the details at some level, uh, not to necessarily overrule someone but to make sure that the decisions that were made were the proper ones. So you have to become informed enough uh, by reading the underlying uh, information and to the extent needed to go read the cases that are cited in those uh, to know whether we're making the right choice or not so it sounds eats like up a lot of days <laughs>
0: what's that it, it eats up a lot of hours in the days yeah down in those legal briefs. Um, it sounds like you you sort of took the same tact with this, with opening up those lines of communication uh, as, you know, people talked about when you were with the Secretary of State position. Um, you know, a lot of elections officials across the state in in reporting had talked about how you sort of opened the lines of communication with them at a time when uh, there was sort of a low point uh, between a lot of elections officials and the state. There were a lot of accusations about, you know, elections not being trustworthy and voting machines, etc. Uh, and again we had you know some people in this state clamoring uh for for more uh and and you know you did the audits and i think some people were expecting like oh we know what these audits are going to come up with you know this guy you know for a very brief time helped represent you know president trump the former president trump when he was challenging the results in pennsylvania and it didn't come out that way Uh, it was determined that this was a clean election here in texas and some folks said that that really may have helped to restore some confidence is is that something that you're you're most proud of it absolutely is
2: and i think the the other part about the communication with the Uh, a a broad spectrum of the election administrators and county clerks that run the elections around the state of texas uh, you get informed from a different perspective and so to me the closer you can get to a 360 degree view of any any issue uh, allows you to make informed decisions that are in the best interest of everyone and the one thing that i think i think it's the lawyer in me which is that evidence proof is what you need to have the conversation based upon. And that was the goal of that audit. Uh, And it's also been kind of the goal as the provisional AG, except visiting with the staff lawyers. I mean, we tried to meet with almost every attorney in the place uh, in groups and find out their concerns and be there for any answer question that they may have to give them an answer. Um, And so
0: did a similar tact, but it was with a different group. And you don't have to name any names but did you in in either of those circumstances get any pushback from, you know, any high profile uh, folks here in the state saying, "Hey, you know, we we wish you could, you know, be a little bit more political or kind of, you know, lean things uh, in 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 the way that we're thinking a little bit more." Well, no, I name, think name, name names let... if
1: you want to, John. Go ahead and name. Names. <laughs> no, no, yeah, actually I,
0: do that.
2: I will say that every legislator and every elected official that contacted me had nothing to say other than very very um, glowing support for anything that we might need over there to help get, keep, the, keep the mission on course. Mm. It, was, it was an unmapped territory, right? Nobody's been going through this process, and so there wasn't a real book to pull off a dusty shelf somewhere and say, oh, this is how you do it. It just mm. doesn't exist. And so we went back to kind of the basics and what the purpose of, of the organization is.
0: John, I saw after that brief representation of uh, former President Trump in, in Pennsylvania there after the 2020 uh, results uh, that you had been quoted as saying that you never wanted to do election law again. You had just had your fill with that. Uh, first of all, is that quote, uh, at least the summary of that quote, uh, correct? And and can you explain it if so? Yeah, I I, I, I think it is. I mean, look, I've representing
2: businesses suing each other, it is it is awful nice because worst case scenario, you got one half of them that hate you. And hopefully it's the opponent um, at the end of the the matter. With with what went on during the election, uh, it it seemed like we were able to alienate everybody. Um, And so, yeah, election law seems to bring out the worst in most people. And I will try and
1: stay away from it as much as possible. Hey, two questions about some legislative moves. One was on business courts. There was a a podcast we did earlier in the year talking about a legislative idea to create a separate set of business courts like a lot of states have. Delaware being the first dating back to the 1700s. Uh, But but secondly, the the legislature also decided that Texas should get out of out of ERIC, E-R-I-C, which you and I have talked about in the past, the Electronic Registration Information Center, which essentially tries to help keep Texas voter rolls clean. If I moved to New Mexico, uh, you know, and I registered there to vote, then it would take me off here. There's not a a replacement for Eric yet. And I'm curious just what you, what you think about both of those legislative moves. Business courts didn't pass. Is it a good idea? Eric did pass. What's Texas going to do next? Yeah.
2: And so, I mean, those are policy subjects. They're probably way above my pay grade. Um, It sounds like the, there was obviously a desire on the from the business court sex uh, 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 legislation to create something that was a much more informed judiciary uh, look the system has worked for a long time during my career uh but i the judges i've always been in for, in front of have tried to be very informed and and i think try and give a fair shake to the parties in front of them Uh, So there may have been some extenuating circumstances that someone thought that was a better idea to at least supplement that supplement that system that we have on the Eric issue. You know, I I think we got an enormous amount of good information from uh, Eric through the years uh, through a a sharing process. Um, Some of that, I think they can recreate, obviously, with doing arrangements with other states. Um, and again, I'm not sure why the majority thought that was the right way to vote, and I don't want to second-guess them at all, um, but it, it'll take money and time to replicate some of the information that we, were as a state, we're getting from from that. Are we, we mean, in a you, bad
1: situation I, on that now? No, is, is I, tech- I,
2: Yeah, I don't want to say that. I I just, I I think that they do need to, uh, you know, I think it served and provided a lot of intel on, for instance, work uh, employee, I'm sorry, voters who were registered in Texas and voted and were registered in other states and may have voted. It's just kind of a primary. And I'm not sure what the process would look like to go recreate that. Again, can we do it with a number of the other states? Yes. But is it something that is going to be, you know, uh, an effort? Sure, I think it will be. Um, yeah. You know, we had some big states that were not parties to Eric, and that was always a, a deficiency. I mean, California and New York were not were not members of it. And that's a lot of people to leave out of the equation. So by no means were we getting 100% of the uh, the information we could have if all the states
0: participated in it.
1: But but who in Texas is going to California and New York, John? I mean, they're, they're coming here. <laughs> we're not going there yet. <laughs>
0: I've seen some uh, some reporting in the past several days that California and New York may actually opt into to Eric. Now, uh, we've we've seen uh, about what, 10 states, uh, Republican leaning states that have opted out of it now. It's uh, you know considered a, a likely possibility that Texas will opt out of it. John, how dangerous is it, though, if we get to this situation where we have sort of, you know, red states doing a system and blue states, so-called blue states doing a system where we're not completely integrated and working with each other to make sure that people are not voting voting in multiple uh, places. Now, so it'll be interesting to see
2: play out. I I hope that that's still just a trivial amount of votes, but it depends upon the election that we're talking about. A lot of the ones I think that we found in the last audit that had voted in two places, it, I think probably the majority of them were people that were uh, owned two homes in two different locations and may not have given the attention to the details. And so when they voted in the second election, it, I think some of those example by way of example, would have been people that voted in school district or 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 a a county uh, superintendent or commissioner role in the various states. And so Mm. I I don't think there was this huge history of people casting two votes in two different states. I think you're talking less than a thousand people is what we found uh, over the course of uh, that 2020 election uh, that would have been involved. Um, So I I don't know if the numbers are huge, especially the larger the race.
0: Yeah, there's so much misinformation and disinformation about voter fraud, though, and and I'm just curious, you know, you've dealt with these meetings, you've had these people shouting in meetings and so forth, uh, who are just convinced. Uh, Will we ever convince uh, a, a pretty sizable chunk of the electorate that this is all fair? So my my hunch is
2: no. Uh, my hunch is that if you're looking for good, you'll find it. And if you're looking for bad, you can find it. And, and I think that's across the board. Uh, so the short answer, no. Mm.
1: My last question for you, John, what do you think the attorney general's office needs right now on, on your way out? Uh, it needs Angela Colmonero to stay there uh, mm-hmm.
2: until uh, Ken Paxton either returns or, 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 or if he doesn't do that next step. Um but I think she's great, and I think everybody is going to be you know uh, wildly impressed with who they have now as the provisional attorney general. and if, if if
1: Paxson doesn't return uh would you like to see Angela in that role permanently
2: yeah I I, I I if she wants to, I think that's great i I don't know, and I'll let Angela speak to her her future hopes and desires, but i my hunch is that's more of a political position uh i I don't view myself as a politician. I've never thought of Angela as a politician. I think of her as an extremely gifted attorney, and I think that's what we've got now running the attorney general's office.
0: John, the governor clearly has you in his phone somewhere as his, you know, phone a friend uh, when there might be kind of a sticky situation going on. Uh, what is the job? I mean, you know, you, we we joked about how you you know you don't take the next call, but what is the job in state government? Is there a job in state government where you think now if he called me about that one, I would stick around? longer than six weeks longer than a year I might actually stick around a couple of years if, if somebody asked me to do that
2: no I, I'm I'm 61 I need to uh, I need to harvest as much as I can harvest because as the days get longer uh, the the desire to work longer hours diminishes so I think that's something that there's plenty of plenty of capable folks to go in there and do some of those jobs mm-hmm. and cur- currently do them
1: John, we always appreciate you taking our call, man. Congratulations on on uh, all your successes as well. And, and you made a good point early in the podcast, helping to calm the situation in those mo- two most recent posts that Governor Abbott has sought you out for. Because I, I think that uh, Wheeler's right and you're right, too. I think you really did that in both of those positions. But uh, best
0: of luck to you and don't be a stranger Thank to you. us. Thank you very much. And John, thank you for summarizing uh, that thought. I have never thought of it as I need to harvest. I I I take several sentences to say what you said there. I need to harvest. I need to go out there and just grab that cash. No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, no. And the other
2: thing is, you know, my wife has given up an awful lot for me to do these services, and and I think that's the other part of it, which is. Uh, being at home at night uh, and not necessarily down in Austin when she's in Fort Worth. It, it's it, it's time to uh, kind of move on to that next phase of life.
0: Yeah, Governor Abbott uh, may need to be careful if he calls you again. She may be the one who answers.
2: <laughs> he, he always runs stuff past her and maybe first. <laughs>
1: John, John, thank we'll, you for we'll, taking the time. We'll talk to you soon, man. Bye, guys. Thank y'all. Hey, guys, before we let you go, just a quick programming note here. You can also watch us live record this podcast we we have it a video version of the audio you are listening to right now and a lot of people like to
0: get their podcasts that way i'm I'm kind of surprised by that
1: yeah i guess you know for the guests especially it's good to 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 see them but yeah it's it it is neat and and we are doing it now and and you can find us you can find the Yolitics podcast at wfaa's uh, YouTube channel. Just go to WFA's YouTube channel. Once you're there, search for Yolitics. You'll see all of our previous episodes. You can find us on the website, WFAA.com slash And you can also find us if you have Roku. You can find us uh, on the WFAA app. It's WFAA+. And we are there as well. Did you I have the say easiest.
0: No, I have the easiest way possible for you to find this. So uh, I don't I use never any do of that. that. Yeah, I never go. Oh, let me go. Right, you
1: know what's that website again?
0: You go to Google and you search for Yolitics YouTube and. Immediately it pulls up our very own page. Like we're just circumventing everybody here, Jason. And the neatest part is, is it's got all of the different episodes on it going, you know, back a ways. And it looks really professional, like surprisingly professional <laughs> for us. So scratch all that other stuff I just told you. Just <laughs> go to Google and search for Yolitics video. Yolitics you'll find us, right? No, just Yolitics YouTube. It will take you right to it. And uh again, very professional. We look legit on here.
1: Well, tell us, uh, tell our listeners what we have for them next week.
0: OK, we are already working on this. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you've been keeping up with the border, uh, folks, but, you know, Texas is something is going, going on down there. Yeah, there's a few yeah. little things going on. Texas has been trying to really uh, you know, assert itself down there. The governor has really been trying to get involved in, you know, uh, securing the border. Uh, critics call it militarization of the border. Uh, at any rate, uh, a brand new tactic has emerged now where uh, the state is actually floating out buoys into the Rio Grande uh, to try to stop people from coming across, and we are going to be speaking uh, with a guy in um, Eagle Pass. uh, That's between Del Rio and Laredo, uh, southwest of San Antonio down there on the border, and uh, he's a character, and he's got some really interesting things to say, and he's not just talking to us. He is speaking in court. Uh, He is the first to uh, challenge the governor in court on this new policy to float those buoys uh, out there in the Rio Grande. And you know he's legit because he doesn't call it the Rio Grande. He calls it the Rio Grande. Uh, So yes, we're getting it border style. uh, And we're going to do that next week. In fact, I think we're going to do an early release on that uh, just to get that out there in front of y'all.
1: We knew he was legit when he turned on his camera on the Zoom call. Oh. Yes. Yeah. He looks like he could be an extra in uh in Wyatt Earp or Tombstone. <laughs> he has the long mustache that kind of like that that bows out at the very bottom there as it, you know, gets close to his chin.
0: Yeah, it makes and me jealous.
1: The the leather hat that would make Indiana Jones jealous. <laughs> and and just the the He's experience of the border. This guy, this guy's pretty good. Look look for that episode as Jason said a little earlier next week. We're we're going to release it a little earlier because we think something might happen Uh, legally with this, because this guy is going after the governor to get these gigantic orange balls out of the river that he is on every day.
0: Uh, We'll release it early and you'll know it because uh, hopefully you subscribe to the podcast and you get these uh, automatic notifications when it happens. And again, you'll see it on YouTube as well. What do you do, Jason? How do you get that? Just Just Google YouTube YouTube
1: Yolitics. Yolotix.
0: It takes you right to it. Hey, everybody, thanks for uh, suffering through our back and forth uh, on this day. Uh, We will uh, do it all again soon.